0: upset over tim kelly becoming the titans offensive coordinator you're upset that the titans have chosen to remain the titans Welcome into to the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, February the 10th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. I am joined today
1: by producer JT, as always. JT, how are you? Happy Friday. I am fantastic on this Friday, and oh, mostly boy. because it's the weekend, and I'm going away this weekend before the Super Bowl, going on a little trip this yep. weekend to Knoxville. First time up there, going to check it out, but also because to peek behind the curtain a little bit we've been recording the show out of order today and did we Very just of come order. off one of maybe our favorite and maybe best segments we've ever done
0: oh i'll say it's the best one of the year and i if you listen to the show at all then you know i say each and every week my favorite segment of the week is the best bet gauntlet and i mean that man i love we've always said jt and i when we started doing the betting segments on friday this year we said i don't care if i go into the metrics of the show and see that nobody listens to the gauntlet every single week I, I that is the only segment we do on this show at any point that is for us more than it is for you guys we hope that you enjoy it we hope that you bet along with us because guys we're 55 percent on the year i mean we've got a very special guest today joining us for the best bet gauntlet in alan bell of cbs Sportsline, line among other things the early edge if you follow any titans twitter at all then you are familiar with alan because he is the local betting Legend, he's fantastic. He brings the energy. He grades our best, uh, our best six this week. We got, we've got the playoff pick six best bet gauntlet going on uh, for the last time this week. It's our last betting segment of the year, and so uh, we had him grade our our six bets, sharper square, talk through them. He gave us five bonus bets as well as talking about just how hard it is to bet in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl and where you can find the edge. So it's it's fantastic. Alan Bell is the best, and so do not. Give up on this episode until you get to the last segment, because the last 25 minutes of the show is with Alan Bell. And we've got 11 bets for you in the Super Bowl that we cannot wait to watch cash and continue our winning streak. We're at 68 percent in the playoffs and 55 percent on the year as a show, which is making very good money. So, yeah, we've got the Super Bowl cut up this weekend. Super Bowl weekend, big deal. That's part of the reason that I'm jacked, ready for this season to be wrapped up with a bow and to be wrapped up with such a fantastic matchup between two teams. But for today, we're not really talking about that until the back half of the show in the Best Bet Gauntlet. We've got a lot to cover, and I have to apologize off the top, JT, for anybody that was listening to our show on Wednesday when we reviewed uh, the day of the hirings that that Mike Vrabel made and all of the uh, the new appointments, both internally and externally, we said that we would have the James Foster draft episode up and available on Thursday morning. Uh, we tweeted it out, and this is a reminder for anybody that was wondering where the show was, but you didn't know. You didn't know because you don't follow us on Twitter. So at Easton Freeze, at JT underscore runkey, at Broadway TN to get Broadway sports media news and uh, all of the articles and the show posts there. But especially if you don't follow anything else, you've got to follow the Hot Read Pod. It's at Hot Read Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That's where you're going to find the updates on the show. And if you followed us there, you'd know. We end up we ended up pushing that show back to next week just because of a scheduling issue with James, who we love to have on. Totally understands, not a big deal. We'll have plenty of time to talk draft and off-season after this weekend. So it kind of worked out. Ended up still having our three shows this week. Didn't talk a lot of draft. We'll get into that next week, hitting it hard now that the season will be over come Monday morning. For today, we're talking about the Titans here at the top we've got four segments before we get to the best bets show and boy we've got an awesome lineup for you today we actually have two guests first off i've got a a thought a take if you will to to run past you here at the top in the warm-up segment and then we're going to get into a couple of bits of titan's news that have dropped between wednesday and today friday morning if you're listening to this when it comes out then we've got an Interesting segment with our friend of the show, Sam Phelan, over at A to Z Sports. He's covering the Titans starting this year. Uh, One of the beat writers covering the team over at A to Z. He comes on and he and I have a chat about what the Tim Kelly hire meant, as well as diving into, you know, what the future of this Titans team looks like now that we have a clearer picture of who the coaching staff is going to be. So that's a really fascinating an interesting conversation, closest thing that I've had to a debate on this show so far this year. So if you enjoy, um, if you enjoy conflicting opinions in a civilized and intelligent way, going back and forth, that is the segment for you because he and I disagree on a good bit, we agree on a good bit as well. But it's a fascinating and really a fantastic discussion. And then of course we've got the Best Bet Gauntlet Playoff Pick Six edition with our special guest Alan Bell. So Sam Phelan, Alan Bell, um, a lot coming up for you today. Let's dive right into it because we don't have a whole lot of time. This is the warm up, and here is my take to get us started today. You aren't upset over Tim Kelly becoming the Titans offensive coordinator. You're upset that the Titans have chosen to remain the Titans. Now, the hiring of Tim Kelly, I think, makes you, and I don't mean you in particular, the listener who is listening to the sound of my voice. Maybe it is. I think that uh, generally speaking, this is the reaction that we saw in the last 48 hours jt to tim kelly being made the offensive coordinator for the titans there's been a lot of frustration and anger and we talked through a lot of that on wednesday so go back and listen to that episode if you want my full take on the hire but i think the general sentiment from this hire the frustration the anger the destitute uh, you know outlook on this team a lot of fans asking when 2024 is and waiting to uh, move on past next year already. I think that that is a reaction that is born not of being disappointed or distrusting of Tim Kelly and his ability to operate the offense and much more frustration that you think this hire means the Titans aren't radically remodeling their offensive identity like you wish that they would. And Tim Kelly, really, JT, I think Tim Kelly could become the next Arthur Smith and a number of people would still be dissatisfied. It's because they don't want the Titans to be the Titans anymore. They they want this team to change its identity. And they were getting their hopes up because of the momentum headed in the direction so far this offseason of this team changing a lot, changing players, changing what they're wanting to do from a coaching perspective and philosophy perspective, what Mike Vrabel has laid out in his press conferences, what the change with ran Carthon means for the team. All of that change made you get a little drunk on the idea that, oh boy, maybe the Titans won't be the Titans anymore. Maybe we'll see them change their identity entirely on the offensive side of the ball in one off season. And so I think the crux, the crux of this debate isn't Kelly's capability. It's that you wish the Titans would become a more modern offense, but I'm here to tell you that Mike Vrabel is in fact still Mike Vrabel and he's still in charge of this team. What what do most folks furious or distraught over this hire have in common JT? I think the vast majority of them want the Titans and have wanted for a while for the Titans to go get a new quarterback as soon as possible. And why is that? It's because that's another big piece. You got to have the offensive philosophy, the guy calling the plays has to be bought in, and then you got to have a guy capable wearing the green dot on offense of leading a team in a way that is not just not just capable of doing it, but capable of doing it at a high level. And you see that with the Patrick Mahomes and the Josh Allen's and the and the Joe Burrows. like the Titans still have Ryan Tannehill. We've explained, we think he's staying around at least through next year. And so if this is you, and I'm not saying it is you, maybe you're listening and you agree with me, in which case, great. But if this is you and you have agreed with a lot of the, Hypothetical mindset that I've laid out so far, I want to challenge you to step back and consider just how rooted in reality this opinion of yours is. None of this should be surprising to you or to any of us in hindsight. Mike Vrabel isn't suddenly changing everything about what he believes his football team should be, how he wants his football team to operate. The way that he's worked as a coach as long as we've seen him as a head coach has been, I want a defense that plays sound and physical, and I want an offense that plays efficiently and explosively. That's what this team is going to remain at least, you know, for a a couple of years, because not only is that how Mike Vrabel believes football should be played, but it also, there's an element of it that I think goes unmentioned too often in the sense that in order to, to change your identity away from that, you got to have the team built in a way that that allows you to do so. Rand Carthan came in from the 49ers, right? A team that operates in the exact same way as the Titans have been. They just did it at a much higher level. If this team's going to be retaining Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, which I think that they are based on everything that we've seen and heard and, and the logic that, that precedes us here, I think that he, they're going to be around for at least one more year each. What were you thinking was going to happen with this team in your in your grand your your grand visions of magical drastic radical changes on the offensive side of the ball? How did you envision this going? How did you envision the Titans going and getting Eric Bieniemy or somebody along the lines of one of the Chiefs guys that that was you know potentially going to come in like like Bieniemy or Nagy? How did you see that going with them coming in radically changing the way that this Titans team operates on offense? And then doing it with the same key players, doing it with, a, with an offensive line that they're going to have to remodel almost entirely this offseason, yes, those key pieces, they're capable of being much different from what they were in 2022. They're capable of, of working in an offense that works much better than a 7-10 and 10 team that was the only team that failed to, to go over, what was it, 25 or 30 points any time in the season. But no, I don't think those players are capable of effectively changing the entire way that they play offense as a team. They can't operate like the Chiefs or the Bills or the Bengals do. They aren't built that way. They, they can't even if they wanted to. So as long as this team is built in the way that it is, they're going to continue to play in that way. And the build of this team that I'm referring to, it includes the coaches and the front office as well. With Mike Vrabel still in charge of this team and with Rand Carthon installed as the new GM, nothing about this should be surprising. Now, does it mean this team is doomed to exist in mediocrity forever? Is this mediocre purgatory for the Titans? Absolutely not. I'm not going to go into detail in the discussion of how can you and can't you win in the NFL, but I've made it clear in my work for a couple years now that I don't think that you have to operate in one way to succeed in the NFL. So they're not in mediocre purgatory, but it does mean that they aren't going to suddenly, in the course of one offseason, transform into a team that they are not. So that's my take. That is the warm-up for today. You aren't upset over Tim Kelly being the offensive coordinator. You're upset that the Titans have chosen to remain the Titans. And with that, we will get into the Titans news with producer JT.
1: into the news here and the titans announced on wednesday that they would be hiring packers player personnel and football admin executive chad brinker as their new assistant gm brinker will oversee the operations and strategy and analytics side of the team easton are you glad to see the titans moving towards a growing analytics department led by people from the outside
0: oh absolutely the couple of things that this tells us and it's not a lot but the fact that he's the operations guy now I, I, i've been led to believe that rand carthen's going to have two assistant gms this is one of them chad brinker is going to be the ops guy and so that question that we had when he was introduced who exactly is in charge who's doing what who's managing personnel it sounds like brinker's going to be more in charge of that side of things or o- overseeing the way that i guess at least the front office player personnel handles those things with rand carthen overseeing him the other thing is, yeah, if he's being brought in to head up analytics, he's a guy from the outside brought in by a guy like Ran Carthon who has experience with and seems to be much more warm towards the idea of analytics being used. That makes sense that this team's probably going to lean more into that, at least from a front office perspective. And if they're collaborating the way that they've said they're going to be, if they're working well together, playing nice, then that should rub off on the coaching staff. Mike Vrabel and Ran Carthon they should do you remember when we were kids the the pens that were like on tv called blendies where you'd put them in a chamber and you'd twist them and then you'd blend the colors together it was it was maybe it was just a regional thing it was a thing when we were kids okay like like 15 20 years ago these were pens that were like a red pen and a blue pen and you'd put them in this capsule you'd twist them together and then they'd both be like a reddish purple and and a bluish purple if this team is collaborating the way that they're supposed to be this should be a team full of blendies at the executive level you should see Rand Carthon bleed into the way that mike Vrabel operates and mike Vrabel bleed into the way that ran Carthon thinks the one question i have from this hire is he was brought in and i believe it was albert breer who does monday morning quarterback over at sports illustrated fantastic columnist and the guy covering the, the nfl he said something on twitter and i, I should have gone and found it but he said something along the lines of it looks like Carthon and the titans are going to be going with a cleveland model in terms of the way that they're building their front office what does that mean what about this higher mix of the cleveland model and once more why exactly would you want to lean into anything that is a cleveland browns model what about their front office besides the fact that they famously have recently leaned into analytics is super admirable or makes you want to copy off of their notes like that one was confusing to me and i'm i'm curious to find out what that means but generally like the hire don't know a ton other than the fact that this sheds a little bit of light on who's doing what
1: in our last uh, little thing of news here on this friday morning let's talk about the titans passing game that tim kelly oversaw last year which was the first and second down passing game and our friend of the show mike herndon actually tweeted out a couple of graphics here and we'll take a look at them right here which showed that the titans were actually above average in according to the league uh on first and second down passing plays according to their drop back by epa per play and if we look at the other one here they were considerably worse on third down
0: yes yeah so first of all this is the perfect point to remind you that if you were just listening to this show wherever you get your good podcasts we appreciate you thank you please subscribe but also it's a video show man you can come see our beautiful faces as well as this beautiful chart as well as other many visual aids that we have in almost every single episode you got to go to youtube broadway sports media the youtube page for broadway sports media that is where you find our show each and every episode as well as now we've got a number of clips from shows coming out there as well so Get everything Broadway Sports Media, media-related, uh, podcast-related, all the F-Words shows. You can get the uh, a football show, I believe, the 440 and Broadway production, as well as all of our media there. Watch it and listen to it. I promise it's twice as good. All right. Uh, yeah, so this is interesting, and uh, how much can you read into it? I think Mike Herndon said it himself in the tweet. Probably not a whole lot. We don't know, but we did find out that in – the press conference at least Mike Rabel alluded to the fact that okay Tim Kelly last year one of his main responsibilities was passing game on first and second down well when you isolate those plays for the Titans they were above league average they were on par with the Eagles the Vikings the uh, Seahawks the Saints the commanders in that group of people slightly above average on third down they were abysmal that that's something that you know if you're looking for any if you're somebody that is really upset over the Tim Kelly hire and looking for a reason to be a little bit optimistic if what he apparently was in charge of last year is any indication of his ability to call plays and to design plays and to game plan during the week this looks like a pretty nice uh, nice positive in his in his pros and cons chart
1: and that's going to be it for our titans news today
0: all right that is our titans news for the day let's get into our third segment which is Tim Kelly and the future of the Titans with our special guest, Sam Phelan over at A to Z. Without further ado, here is that conversation. All right, we're welcoming in back to the show, friend of the show, Sam Phelan over at A to Z covering the Titans as a beat writer. Sam, how are you, man? It's been a while. Yeah,
2: been a little bit, but, uh, you know, I always uh, like to make time for you, Easton. So uh, appreciate you That's having me back
0: going. on. I always love talking
2: ball with you. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Glad to have you. Glad to. Uh, uh, the feeling is mutual. Definitely agree. Love to, to get to talk ball with you. And today we're talking about the the Titans hirings this week. Wanted to further unpack a little bit specifically on the Tim Kelly front, talking a little bit about what you and I talked briefly about on Twitter the day of the hires. Um, wanted to get somebody with maybe a little bit of a different perspective to To kind of go back and forth, maybe debate a little bit what the ramifications of this hire may be for this team and and what your perspective on it is. So let's start there. When this hiring news came down and in classic Mike Vrabel fashion, in hindsight, this makes total sense to me that he has learned from past mistakes and decided to bundle all of his offseason hires in one go so that he can just get it out of the way. It's very on brand for him. And it's made for a hectic week for folks like you and I. But focusing on the main one with Tim Kelly, what was your reaction to it? And maybe in the, in the what, 48, 72 hours we've had since then, I'm losing track. Has your opinion of it changed at all?
2: Uh, I don't know if my opinions changed. Uh, you know, I, it's just interesting. I feel like Tim Kelly was always the the dark horse hire here i mean it was he was always the guy that was like looming amidst all the rumors of matt Nagy, eric the and that names keep getting floated out and tim kelly just keeps lingering because the thought throughout most of the 2022 season was this is your coordinator in waiting if things don't work out with todd downing so uh, i think for myself for a lot of titans fans I, and i think people are pretty split on it but There can be a sense of just being underwhelmed with it because uh, it really felt like, especially with the Rand Carthon hire uh, and hearing what Rand had to say, knowing Rand's track record, feeling like the Titans were going to start going in a different direction as an organization and another internal hire at offensive coordinator. Uh, I think is a little underwhelming for people that maybe had their expectations or their hopes on a new, uh, so just somebody with a new unique perspective to bring to this offense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My, you know, I think that being underwhelmed, maybe a little bit disappointed, a completely fair response. What I didn't think was fair, and I'm I'm guessing you'll probably agree with me, is to find it really all that surprising, given Mike Vrabel's track record, given what we know about him as a coach and the way that he likes to operate, at least in hindsight. Maybe, maybe you know, I know a number of people had fallen into this, you know, not groupthink, but really all that had been mentioned in the weeks leading up to this hire was about how, you know, he continues to not make a hire. There's rumors about him being keyed in on maybe Charles London in Atlanta or maybe he's looking at these guys with the Chiefs and he can't really get to them yet until their season comes to a close that had become such a mainstay in the narrative for a couple of weeks in a row that people had kind of narrowed down in their minds it's going to be one of these guys and then it's not and so I can understand in hindsight being you know understanding of the fact that I can't believe I ever even got caught up in that. Of course, of course Mike Vrabel is still the head coach of this team. This shouldn't be surprising at all. And for those folks that are surprised, I guess my response to them is you don't I don't think you pay very close attention to this team and the way that Mike Vrabel tends to operate. But the the other response was a lot of frustration. And that's what I kind of want to dive into here. People were not just disappointed by the hire, but a little bit frustrated and Off the top, I'll say, and I want to hear your perspective on this, uh, maybe another hindsight thing here, but it's not all that surprising to me that this team isn't going to radically, and that's the operative word here, isn't going to radically change the way that they approach ball in general. But the offensive side of the ball in particular here, yes, there are going to be changes made, and I think a lot of people are getting blinded by the fact that on paper at the very – surface level of this it was an internal hire so maybe things are just going to stay the exact same that's pretty foolish to me based on what we've heard from Mike Vrabel since the season's ended everything that he has said and done indicates that he's interested in changing a number of things about the way that this team operates on the offensive side of the ball now he's been wrong before he's lied before at the podium it's his job half the time to lie but there's nothing that he's said or done that indicates there's not going to be some level of change And so I think that that can still be expected with a Tim Kelly hire. What are your thoughts on all of that, whether or not they're going to change this year and what a Tim Kelly hire means for this team? At this point, I don't expect a ton of change. Uh, I think like changes, maybe
2: the goal, I mean, like obviously changes the goal. You don't want to go seven and 10 and have one of the worst offenses in the league. That's not like middle's goal. Right. And, And, but I think he views more of the, the growth coming from the personnel more than it will the mentality or play calling at this point. And I think that he made one of those points when he was talking about Kelly. But but for the people, I would say for the people that have said they don't expect a ton of change or things won't change. I mean, Mike Vrabel said, why did he hire Tim Kelly? Because he brings carryover and familiarity to the concepts they like to run. And he believes in an identity. And he doesn't believe their identity or philosophy is broken. That's him telling you that they're not going to change a ton, radically at least. I mean, sure, any offensive coordinator is going to come with a few different play calls and a few different ideas that they might like to implement versus the last guy. But the Tim Kelly move was, you know, at the, if anything, keeping consistency with their thought process and then hoping adding some pieces here and there, and, a, and maybe a couple play calls will fix the problem. That's what it feels like to me, and I think a lot of other people, um, which is why I think that there is that level of frustration of feeling like they need to do something differently, and it doesn't seem like they're all that motivated to at this point.
0: Well, and see, it's interesting that you and, and a number of people have kind of glommed on to that part of what he had to say, for me, and I don't think that there's a wrong answer here, I think it's really just what perspective you're coming at it with. For me, the, the part of that exact quote in his press conference that stuck out to me was he said, like, like you just detailed, what Tim Kelly brings to the table is some carryover. But then he went on to say that we do expect that there's going to be a lot of changes made that change the way that we coach this team and change the way that we have to approach the different buckets we put things in. Now, again, if, if your response to that is, of course, he's saying that. I'll believe it when I see it. Fair. Right. Well, right. I mean, I think that's one. But
2: I think the other one is that his follow up to that is talking about speed, talking about physicality, talking about efficiency passing. Those are aspects that you can argue are going to be personnel changes and saying we need to get some faster players and, you know, sure up our offensive line. And if you were to, I think if you look at a lot of the concepts, Tim Kelly ran as the play caller in Houston, you would see it's it's not all that different from what Tennessee was doing last season. So, like, it's a lot of the same concepts. And, like, this is the other thing, too, because I was very set on trying to bring in somebody from Kansas City. Right. Uh, either Eric Bienemi or Matt Nagy. I really didn't care which one. Uh, and, and the main reason why is because I've held this point for a while that I think the Titans need to, you know, switch their philosophy to being a pass first, new age, push the ball down the field football
0: team. And this is Derek the crux Henry, of the argument. Yep.
2: Yeah. I mean, Derrick Henry is amazing. Derrick Henry is a generational talent at running back. And I don't think you win a Super Bowl handing it off to one bell cow back 35 times a game in today's league. I don't. I think you have to be multidimensional. That can be running the football. That's what you see with Philadelphia. That's what you see with the 49ers and what they did. Like they have three good running backs that can hurt you in a mobile quarterback. If that's your offense, fine. But you can't drop back with an like a quarterback that can't move and then try and hand it off to a running back 35 times a game to run between the tackles. I don't think that works. So sure. I, I want to see them shift to that philosophy. And I look at uh, the interesting stat from sharp, uh, sharp football. I'm trying to remember the exact name of the I site. Think it's
0: sharp but analytics. I think is so, what he call yeah, it. The yeah. I mean, born sharp site is
2: really good for this stuff, but it's the run to pass ratio within offenses. Something mm-hmm. that you look at from Matt Nagy's years in Chicago Matt Nagy's years in Kansas City and Eric Bieniemy's years in Kansas City after taking over for Nagy as the play caller when he left for that head coaching job. And the Chiefs, not surprisingly, just about every year, even before Patrick Mahomes became the quarterback there, led the league or were in the top three, four teams in the league in first down passes in neutral games. You can fil- I filtered it to uh, seven point differential, so like a one score game when both teams are in the game. First downs, what do they do? They throw the ball. The Titans have been dead last uh, since 2016 when Mike Vrabel or when Derrick Henry got here and then when Mike Vrabel took over in 2018. So finding a coach that uh, has that, you know, hey, maybe let's throw it on first down. Let's try and be efficient in the passing game, but pick up these chunk yards to make our run game more dynamic and more dangerous is valuable to me. Tim Kelly, two of the three years that he was in Houston, bottom five in first down pass percentage. He was a run first guy, and that was with Deshaun Watson at quarterback two of those years. So, like, this is a guy who knows how to run the ball, likes to run the ball. It's no surprise Mike Vrabel likes him. But I don't see where there's a change in philosophy coming, which is, like you said, the root of the argument and the root of the problem for me.
0: Well, Sam, this is exactly why I wanted to have you come on stop by and share some thoughts today because this is, as I've thought about this over the past couple of days, really the root of the frustration is that people got their minds and hearts set on. And I think many have been set on this for a long time, but I think the opportunity to actually make a hire at the offensive coordinator position was just so tasty to them. They were salivating over the idea of maybe this is when we see this team in an off season that so far has been dominated by change. Let's, let's change things across the board personnel staff front office then they go with this it it doesn't follow that that narrative in their heads that they were wanting to to use to paint the picture of this team going into next season and that's frustrating but it's it's less about what Tim Kelly as as an offensive coordinator is actually capable of and more about what people want for this team and that's why when we were tweeting back and forth about this your point I actually pulled it up. You said it's less about what I just said, less about what Kelly is and isn't capable of, more about what the Titans do or don't need. That set a light bulb off in my head that, yes. Okay, so this is exactly what people are upset about. They're not upset about Tim Kelly. I said this on Twitter, and I'd imagine, I don't know, maybe you agree, maybe you don't. I feel like if if Tim Kelly hadn't been on staff last year and had been hired from the Texans or off of a sabbatical or from another team, people would have been much more receptive to this hire Yep. Then, if you know, in this situation, he's coming off of uh, being a mysterious element of a disastrous staff. So that's what's interesting to me. And um, while I don't necessarily agree with everything you said in terms of the philosophical changes this team may or may not need, that I'm glad that you came and presented that perspective because um, it is. I think it's a very fair one, and it's an argument worth having. I'll say this because we can argue till the cows come home about what kind of team can and can't win a super bowl or or can and can't succeed in the NFL. And, and what that philosophical um, structure of a team has to be in order to succeed. Right. But given what we know now, focusing in on what this team is going to be, do do you see this as um, kind of maybe a necessity? Like this is the way that I've been viewing this as I've thought about this, this concept of people wanting This team to change. Mike Vrabel clearly not interested in that. He said himself, like you mentioned a moment ago, we don't think this is broken, right? We don't think this offensive approach is broken. We're, you know, in a similar way that he did with the defense a couple of seasons ago, challenging the front office to get us better players to implement um, into this system, as opposed to trying to make a kind of crappy roster work with a different system. That seems to be what he and his coaches are interested in doing. And I feel like this approach that he's taking of not radically changing, not becoming pass first, pass heavy, pass often, but sticking with his guns, shifting some things around, but the general identity of the offense staying the same. Do you feel like that's a necessity given their situation at quarterback and or on the offensive line? Because I think that there's an argument to be had that, yeah, maybe generally speaking in the NFL, you should migrate towards this newer age philosophy as a team. But you can't do that unless you have the necessary pieces. And if we're assuming that Derrick Henry's back and that Ryan Tannehill back, which at this point, and maybe you disagree, but I feel like at this point, it seems like both of those things are much more likely than not. Does that limit what you're actually capable of doing in terms of a philosophical shift?
2: No, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Uh, and I, I think the reason I would point to of no is it's Look at the 2020 offense. I mean, look at the 2020 Titans. But was that Arthur's much of a different like identity? Do you I think mean, they pushed the ball down the field an awful lot? They used to play pass. They had an the players, the players to do it though. Had, in, right. You. I mean, you had the players to do it, but I mean, it was still Ryan Tannehill. It was right. still Derrick Henry. The yeah. offensive line is a problem, but uh, I think my point would be the offensive line is going to be a problem for your run-first mentality too. Like, you it's can't just a problem. You your, your offense is going to stink ball. regardless. Yeah. And I think that's why people are frustrated though. Cause you, they did have the pieces. They had the pieces sure. to make the system work. And this may or may not, we don't know what happened in that draft room that night. We don't know where Mike Vrabel fell on it, but ultimately the guess. decision was the, the decision was AJ Brown's not worth a hundred million dollars. Why? Yep. Because he's a wide receiver and we run the ball and play good defense. That was mm-hmm. the decision. That was that philosophy. That was we are going to run the ball, control the football, beat you with defense and win ugly games coming to fruition by giving away the necessary pieces to make it work. Mm -hmm. So what like what are we doing here? And if you're a Titans fan or even just somebody from the outside looking in, it's confusing to see a team now say, well, we need better players. Well, a year ago, you gave away the better players that did work in this system. So I think you have to well, go and the guy that
0: did that is no longer employed. So,
2: I mean, and you're right about that. Right. And like, like I said, we don't know where Mike Vrabel stood on the AJ Brown trade and it sucks to keep bringing up over and over again with it, essentially and seemingly everything the Titans do, you you kind of have to the butterfly effect that it has had on the situation <laughs> yeah. that they're in is relevant uh, and it continues to be relevant. So I don't think you are like, too handicapped by your personnel moving forward to to make it work but i think there has been a shift in what they did in 2020 to what they did in 2022 uh you'd like to see them get back to what they were doing previously uh, well, like, so it, uh, it, it, i watched highlights of that team the other day and i'm just like, this looks like completely the 2020 different team. team they can throw the yep. ball down the field with yep. even just yeah, you get the point. I'm sure you're very familiar with that team and the good old. Well, team. in
0: the end, it wasn't just AJ Brown. I mean, he was a key that unlocked right. a lot of things. But you were able to use Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis in in ways that you weren't able to use your wide receiver really one, two, or three on this year's team. But it's interesting to me that you say that. And I know you got to go just here in one moment, but I want to get a clarification on this. You mentioned, um, and I I think maybe you fall on this maybe slightly differently than some other fans. I would have. Put what the Titans were trying to do in 2022 in a very similar, if not the same, bucket as what they were doing in 2020, and they were just doing it very poorly. Now, I mean, there are certainly some things they were doing differently um, from a scheme standpoint, and and they've evolved a little bit, but generally speaking, for you, would getting back to the way that they were able to operate as an offense in 2020 with Tim Kelly pulling the levers and I'd argue much more importantly, ran Carthon and company putting better players in the system. I mean, Mike Ribble mentioned this at some point this week, we would love to not be able to telegraph plays um, and, and flash run or pass up on the scoreboard essentially. But that requires having players that you can put in the game that have that level of ambiguity, right? There are certain players on a bad roster where you put them in and you just know it's going to happen because they're in doesn't matter where they are. Um, but do, do you think, them doing that and getting to a place where they can operate more like the 2020 Titans is an element of philosophical change that would demonstrate to you this team actually is changing that would that in other words that would look like a change to you I think it would look like a change but almost
2: not enough I mean, I right. am I'm, I'm, okay. I I understand that I'm more radical on this than a
0: lot of people, uh, seemingly yourself. Well, I think some like are you. more radical. I think some would say the 2020 Titans are exactly what I don't want. Some would be like that. They still ran the ball 35 times in some games with Derrick Henry. I want to get away with that, away from that. I want to be the Chiefs. The I want with, to be so, the Bengals and the Bills, and that's not possible with Ryan Tannehill. It's just not. Yeah,
2: well, well here's the thing with, with the Derrick Henry thing, which is why... It, I think you can win. I'll retract my previous statement. Like I, you can win giving the ball to him that many times. I just want to maximize his threat level. And essentially what the Titans did in 2022, every time he was on the field, you knew they were running, especially on second and third down because he was not out there for pass blocking. And you didn't run a ton of play pass because you didn't have wide receivers or the offensive line help to actually give, Tannehill enough time in the pocket to deliver that ball on time. Right. So, like, I want to yep. maximize the threat of Derrick Henry, where just pretending to give him the ball, ju- just faking <laughs> yeah. a handoff to him yeah. opens you up for a big play somewhere else. And when you are so caught into this identity, which Todd Downing was, of a- first down and 10 we are going to run the football and then we are going to run it again to get into third and manageable and now we're in third and 5 and mm-hmm. hopefully somebody's open like <laughs> yeah. you, you put yourself into a box that takes away how dangerous your best players are and, and so i think the goal and like 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 you said i think 2020 offense would be if you can get there i'm fine because like with the current personnel you have and the, like the cap issues, the offensive line struggles, you don't have an elite quarterback, just you know, be competent, right? But, but you've right. given away weapons now that have put you into a spot where it's like, well, are you changing this thing or are you trying to run the same system with worse players? Cool. So, same, what
0: I'm hearing you say on the Derrick Henry front, your clarification is that it's not that you can't win with a Derrick Henry style running back. It's that you can't win with just a Derrick Henry style running back.
2: And I think they've leaned too much on that.
0: Absolutely. Recently, they have absolutely
2: this mentality of, well, we have Derek Henry, so we're going to run the ball. And I don't think that maximize it. it doesn't help Derek and it doesn't help you because like yep. you said, if you, if you're one dimensional in this league, I don't care how good you are at it. You're going to get beat. Like you can have the best quarterback and the best receivers. If you can't block and they can get after the QB, they'll stop you. You have to run the ball. If You can run the ball, but you can't throw it down the field you're going to get stopped eventually. And as good as some of these offenses have been 2020 and as good as the team was in 2021, you get to the playoffs and what happens? You get to a team that either stops the run or gets after the quarterback and you don't have enough balance to overcome it. Like, and I think that is the deep rooted issue that the Tim Kelly hire is almost a, it's just a figurehead for that mentality trying to continue. And I think for a lot of frustration for people, because if you don't believe that this current system and philosophy is going to work, this is just delaying the inevitable to,
0: all right, we have to go get an elite quarterback and start changing things around. Sam Phelan, boys and girls, he's one of the best, and we love having him on the show. Sam, thank you so much for your time today. Hopefully we have you back sooner than later. Good to talk to you. Hey, appreciate it, man. Another big thanks to Sam Phelan over at A to Z for finding the time for us once again. Love having him on the show. Real quick, before we get into our last segment of the day, which is our best bet gauntlet with our special guest, Alan Bell. Got to remind you that if you are not subscribed to the show, please go and do so. And when you do subscribe, wherever you get your good podcasts or watch us on YouTube, subscribe at Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google or Amazon or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You got to go and leave us a review as well. You scroll down the feed on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, at the bottom. You'll find five stars. Click the fifth furthest one from the left, and that'll give you a five-star review. You'll leave in the box below any comments you have. We appreciate any and all reviews. It means so much more to us. I promise you this than it does the ten seconds it takes you to do it, and you can do it while you're listening to the show. So right now, take a second. We're about to make you money in the Best Bet Gauntlet. Help us make a little money in the future by leaving us a review, helps us with, with the algorithm as well as potential sponsors and all of those things. So go and leave a review, say whatever you want. We will read it out on the show. If you want to leave your Twitter handle, we'll be happy to follow you and tell our hundreds of listeners to follow you. If you want to leave where you're listening from, I would love to get some reviews with people from cool places listening. We got. I know that there are folks listening in the UK, Canada, Mexico, Denmark, Spain, Germany, Hungary uh indonesia the philippines if you're that person i want to hear from you leave us a review please it'd be super cool to hear where you're listening from or if you're somewhere here in the states still would love to find out where you're from so please leave a review five-star rating leave us a review we'll read it out on the show and then subscribe wherever you listen to the show much much appreciated all right kept you waiting long enough if you're here for the money then this is the time for you We've got Alan Bell of CBS Sportsline and Early Edge, among many other things, joining us for our final Best Bet Gauntlet of the entire year. Playoff pick six finale. Let's get into it. All right, JT, it's time for my favorite segment of the week each and every week. It's the Best Bet Gauntlet, and we are joined today in our last Best Bet Gauntlet segment of the year by a guy that I've been wanting to have on for a while now. It's Alan Bell from CBS Sports, He's you can find him everywhere, man. The Early Edge, sports line Picks, CBS Sports HQ, the College Football Weekly Best Bets show. Alan, it is so good to have you, man. How are you? Man,
3: I'm fantastic. Look, man, I'll tell you what, the, the back at you, right? Like, I, I've been wanting to do this. So, so, like, glad that we could do it, like, right here at the end, too, with the yeah. biggest game. Absolutely, man.
0: So, we're, we're talking Super Bowl, and, and you know, as well as we do, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Man, it's like the circle of life with betting in the NFL. Week one is like a minefield of sharp lines everywhere, and then you get to the end of the year in the Super Bowl. It's tough to bet.
3: Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Look, I I, I would say, like, once the NFL playoffs get here, it it tightens up, right? Not only because you start to see – I mean, look at, you know, the divisional round and championship round. Six games, all six hit the under, right? So that's just the total. But then when you look at games that hit unders – right? Prop bets hit unders, right? Like, you know, you start to see it. So, you know, not only that, like games get tougher, but also the sports books, I mean, the NFL is the number one, right? So if, if any sports book has a hundred people working in a room in the back room, (laughs) yeah, 95 of them are on the NFL, right? Like, you know, so you're going to get just the sharpest most, you know, market correct lines possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's why you see any professional betters that wade into NFL waters they tend to go college basketball the second the playoffs get here Um, and that's why they make the money and and so that's the way that that works but uh, yeah the Super Bowl in particular 27 27 and 2 all time any Super Bowl the favorites and the uh, underdog it is it's it's evenly matched historically And this game in particular man I, I don't know if you feel the same way these two teams make for a really fascinating matchup a really even matchup and there's so many questions I, I, in terms of a side. Do you have a lean here this week? Yeah, uh, look, I
3: do. But l- let me let me hit on your point real quick of what you said of how accurate that you are, of you know how close these two teams, all right? The Chiefs this season, regular season, a- they led the AFC in points per game, 29.1. Eagles led the NFC points per game, 28.1. Add in both teams' regular season games, playoff games, They've each scored 546 points exactly. Exactly. That's how tight. Yeah. You get know what I mean? Like, here, that's that's crazy. It, crazy, right? Like, that's how tight that it is. And The <laughs> Eagles, you have, you know, a team with the most rushing touchdowns against the Chiefs, the team with the most passing touchdowns. Like, these two teams can get down. And, and the even more difficult part is that they have multiple running backs, multiple wide receivers, multiple tight ends. Like, it's tough. So, all that being said, look, I, I like the Eagles in this game. Um, I, I think that they're the better team. I think that they're definitely the more healthy team. I think that um you know they, I, I think they have the better offense. I think they have the better offensive line. I think that they have the better skill position players, right? Like total. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gonna be a tight game, right? So, yeah, like i'm I, I'm rolling with the Eagles money line. like you know, it's one and a half. why why mess around with it, right? Like yep. in a low scoring could be game. Just take the money line. The team that you want to
0: win, take them to win. So, yeah, sidewise, yeah, I roll eagles. Love it, Alan. Love it. So, here's what we're going to do. We've got – anybody that listens to the show knows throughout the playoffs, we've changed our format. So, I didn't even mention this to you, but what we've been doing, we call it the best bet gauntlet because during the year, we each go snake draft style, our favorite side of the week. We each give five, and it's a competition. Last year, JT edged me out. This year, I led wire to wire. Um, But on the year, we are 114-94-9, and good for 55%, just to make a pro better like you proud. Got to brag a little. Got to brag a little. (laughs) Yes, you should.
3: Dude, that is strong. Uh, uh, Very strong. Yeah, well done on that.
0: And then in the playoffs here, we've been finishing strong. We're 13-6 and so far, good for 68%. So we're going to try to keep that rolling here. We've got six picks for the Super Bowl. We want to get your input on them as we go. We're going to explain why we like these sides, totals, Um, and a lot of props as well. You give us your thoughts, and then once we give our six, I want to hear any and everything that you love for this game. Sound good? Yep, absolutely. All right, perfect. So we'll get into the Best Bet Gauntlet here with our first pick in the Super Bowl edition of the Best Bet Gauntlet Pick 6. We're going with the uh, total here, and and I really like the over in this game. Now, I know historically, Super Bowls, the over tends to be the trap for the squares, man, because everybody wants to see a big, high-scoring game. I get it. And typically the under is the sharp side. But in this game, these are two teams whose defenses, I think, have been a little bit inflated in terms of their perception based on who they've had to face recently. And I think the the offensive firepower that both of these teams are going to bring, it's going to be a challenge that neither of these defenses have seen, really, especially the Eagles, for that matter, in a while. And I think it could make for a pretty explosive game, barring. The injuries to both quarterbacks being a bigger deal than we think they're going to be. I think this thing goes over 51, so I'm taking the over.
3: I like it. This, this I jump in.
0: Yeah, you got yeah, thoughts. I, what you got a thought well, on the total?
3: Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I didn't want to mess with you guys. Um, look, I I, I don't disagree with you at all. Like, I, I think that obviously these are two best te- uh, offensive teams in the NFL, and I think what you're going to get is you're going to get both sides pushing each other. All right, so take a look at the Eagles. The Eagles haven't had to play or take seriously a second half of a game in a month. Right? Uh, it's crazy. It's it, crazy. It, it's crazy. And that's how fast and efficient that they are. Uh, honestly, Nick Sirianni and, um, you know, well, what Josh quarterbacks Michael, have they
0: seen in the last month? Right. The, yeah. A bye Danny dimes twice and yeah. the fourth stringer for the Niners. Like that's yeah. been their entire month.
3: Yeah. The, g- the game is over at halftime uh, in all of them. Like yeah. in the second half, they were playing the clock and not playing the other team. Right. So Nick Sirianni and the Eagles—they have a lot of Josh Heupel in Tennessee in them, in the fact mm. that sub tempo offense, it's yep. fast paced. They use it to put your defense on its heels. They can hit big plays uh, all over the all of the board. Quaes Watkins, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, right? Like they're tough to deal with. Um, and, and I'll say this: so I, I think that that's the 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 combination that you want to push the Chiefs because the Chiefs aren't necessarily a fast paced. Um, you know, big play offense anymore of what yeah, they were two totally. three years ago. Yep. Yeah, it's very, you know, 10, 11, 12 play drives, methodical, run the football, right? But if you're down, you can't right. do that. Like, you've got to push the up. tempo.
0: They're going to have to.
3: 100%. So, and look, I'll get into this in a minute on one of mine, but I love that because the Eagles, in 19 games this year, 16 of those games, the Eagles have scored 14 points or more in the first half. Like, mm. that's their M.O., they, yeah, they the, the same thing the 49ers were doing we we are immediately going to score a touchdown and good luck like so yeah like i, I like it not to get long-winded but yeah man like i, I like the pace to be pushed fast which leads right. to overs. all
0: right jt what's our next
1: pick yeah let's get over here to our second pick in the super bowl pick six we're gonna move over to some props here and let's go with jalen hurts over 10 and a half rushing attempts in his last three He's gone nine, nine, and eleven. So all pretty much close to blowouts, by the way, two against the Giants, and of course the one against the 49ers. But before he was injured with that shoulder, he cleared in almost half of his game, seven of fourteen. Hertz also went over 10 and a half rushing rushing attempts in six of nine games pre-injury that were close games. So decided by 14 and 14 or fewer points here. Considering that I think it's going to be a close game. And there's no game after this for him to leave it all out there concerning that shoulder. I think that's going to lead to more runs. Not to mention this Chiefs defense with Frank Clark, Chris Jones, George Karloffis, Nick Bolton. One of them is eventually going to get to the passer here. And I think it's going to allow Jalen Hurts to run a lot more in this game. AD Sharper Square. Yeah, I
3: I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that play uh, for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned. First off. Uh, yeah, like, you know, you, you went through those numbers of, of when he was close, but, say, didn't hit that one, like, of the recent games. Well, you, the reason they didn't was because you got to keep him healthy through the playoffs. Like you said, there's no game after this. Like, it, it's it's all in, right? And, and Jalen Hurts is definitely like that. Number two, I think where you're going to steal a couple rush attempts is in the red zone. I think that they're going to use him, especially if it's a tight game and you don't want to risk things. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to steal two, three, four rush attempts there. He might not score a touchdown. He might. Who knows? But you're going to you're gonna steal a couple, which is exactly what you want. So, dude, I, I couldn't agree more on that one. That's a very, very good play. Yeah. All
0: right, third pick here. Going with Isaiah Pacheco. Sticking with the Chiefs. I'm going to say he goes over ten and a half rush attempts. And this one's really simple. He's gone over ten attempts in eight of the last ten. He's been the guy for the Chiefs running the ball recently and he's become that workhorse. I think if they – you know, the Chiefs – what we were talking about earlier, AB, this is a game that the pace is going to be very fascinating. The Chiefs, in a rare spot here, are going to be the team actually maybe trying to slow things down a little bit, which is not what they've been used to with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. But given the way that the the Eagles can strike early and often and and over and over and over very quickly if you're not careful – they may want to try to dictate the terms early, maybe giving Pacheco a number of handoffs, especially in that first half, trying to slow things down and feature him a lot, particularly with their quarterback, not nearly as mobile as they're used to him being. What do you think? Sharper square?
3: Yep. Sharp. Um, look, because you're right. Patrick Mahomes is, is you know, he's good. He's going to roll out, be mobile, like be mobile outside of the pocket to pass. He's not going to run. Right. And, and I'm with you on Pacheco. You know, you look at the depth chart here. I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire's. Might as well be gone. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. was the dude and Pacheco runs hard as hell. You could trust him. Yeah, absolutely. On that one. And I'll say this to give a local like Tennessee feel of what you yeah. just said. Uh, the Chiefs absolutely will use their offense to keep the Eagles offense off the field in a way go back and look at the Florida game against Tennessee. I think Kansas City uses a very similar approach. Of, you know what, we're going to run the ball. We're going to keep it away from you. We're not afraid to punt. All right. We're not afraid to punt because we can play with you a little bit too. Sure. That being said,
1: we're going to run the football and control it. So, yeah, a sharp play as well. Yeah. JT. Our fourth pick here in the Super Bowl pick six, I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard over four and a half receptions. Now, this is one I've seen go both ways amongst a lot of people on Twitter and just around the betting community. But I think if there's anyone who's going to get close to hitting that reception limit there, it's got to be Dallas Goddard. He is Jalen Hurts' security blanket. He's gotten five targets or more in four of his last five. The only game that he didn't eclipse that in was his first game back after coming back with that shoulder injury. And he caught balls in, five balls in three of those five games. The first game back, of course, he didn't. And also with Minshew, the Chiefs are really good against tight ends, but Goddard has found a way to produce in these playoffs. And before that, regardless... I think if Jalen Hurts needs to throw the ball to someone in a quick spot, he's going to look Goddard's way.
3: So, okay, I, I'm not disagreeing, but I, I'm not all in on it, and, and let me tell you why. Again, Perfect. I, I'm not against it because – This is going to
0: suck if you agreed with everything we said, AB. <laughs> so I'm that's glad. what I'm going say,
3: right? Like, first <laughs> off, yeah, like you don't want anybody coming out doing that. But, and again, like, uh, not like, you know, uh, negative or down on the Maybe play. it's just
0: a coin flip bet.
3: Well, and, and the reason being is this. One, what happens if the Eagles do the exact same thing? Like, what if they come out and just start blowing the Chiefs out? Like, mm. I'm not saying it's going to happen. True. It could. And then you see a second half to where no one's getting Like, no one's getting it. Number two, if the Eagles do play from a positive game script, playing from ahead in this game, passing totals for Jalen Hurts will go down, right? Yes. And couple that with the fact that there's just so many mouths that can be fed. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, right? Like, Again, it's not a negative on that play. It's a negative on how does this game go? Yep. And you could find yourself in risk spots. So that, that's why I say
0: it. So what I'm hearing here is if, you, if you're rolling with us on this bet, you got to hope that this stays tight.
3: Yeah. Like, yes, yes. Because I think that, you know, volume passing prop-wise for the Eagles, it might be better for quick strikes right Mm -hmm. longest reception longest pass Mm -hmm. like those are generally a little bit more safe with them as on the other side the Chiefs could throw the ball almost 50 times in this game and that might be your volume play. so all
0: right I've got the fifth pick here our fifth pick of this pick six playoff uh Super Bowl edition that is it's Kadarius Tony he has been a pariah he's been an outlier for this chief's team and really in from a betting standpoint, kind of impossible to pin down. Yeah. Um, but we're going to, we're going to go out on a limb here Giants and say fans will
3: agree with you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm sure. I'm sure uh, we're going to say he goes under 15 and a half as his longest reception. I was mean, going to be back for this game, um, but I'm really just expecting him to be the least involved of the three major receivers. There's a lot of injury questions for really the entire receiving room in Kansas city, but he's averaging 10.7 yards per catch with Kansas city I don't necessarily see him as the deep threat in this game. He's really a, you know, you know, AB he's a, he's a yards after catch guy. So if, if we get screwed on this one, it's probably going to be some linebacker on him that just blows it. And he blows by him for 20 yards. But I, I, I feel like, and with, with Kadarius, Tony, the built-in, the built-in security you have on any Kadarius Tony under ever is the fact that he's liable to on any play on the field, get hurt and not return to the game.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's a great point. Um. So, all right, sharp play. I agree with it. Kay. Um, And especially this, like what you said, his, you know, his uh, receptions are generally, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage and mm-hmm. a yak guy. Uh, the Eagles corners are legit. Like, yes. they're, like it's going to be tough to get him the ball, even if, you know, Kelsey's running, you know, um, you know, splits across the middle, right? Crossers and stuff mm-hmm. to get him open. Like they could jump at pick six here quick. like I, I honestly i I agree. I think the chiefs would probably look elsewhere, um, you know, for their longer. so yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's a sharp play. yeah,
1: awesome. jt last one. yeah, our last one here. the guy who we think is going to be that deep threat here for the chiefs. it has to be MBS. We're gonna go with his receptions total over two and a half with Mile Hardman actually out for this game. they finally put him out now. Yeah. So he will not be playing in this game. He's on IR. Um, I I expect this to be a similar situation to the Cincinnati game in which he went six for eight for 116 yards. He is going to be that deep threat that Mahomes looks to. I expect him to be someone Mahomes relies on here, especially with injury concerns with Juju Smith Schuster. Give me the receptions over here.
3: Yep. Completely agree. Uh, If you're going to go volume based, especially at a low, like attainable number like that, a hundred percent. And yeah, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey is going to get a ton of, you know, coverage around him. Right. I mean, obviously, uh, and, and I, I think that, you know, a correlated play with this, which I agree as well is going with MBS, like riding him and fading Juju. Like I, I think that you were mm. spot on with your analysis right there completely. And especially at two and a half. Yeah, man. Like the, the like Patrick Mahomes, I think his past number said it like 38 and a half. Like I, I think it, i I think it could be 44, 45 in terms wow. of tips, right? Yeah. yeah I, I really do. So especially it, if they're it, down early, yeah. Look, I mean, that's what the Eagles do to you. Like, they, mm-hmm. they, they change the way that you have to play, right? So, yeah, I, I, especially at two and a half. Yeah, man, I like that.
0: All right, A.B., that's what we're rolling with this week. Now, we want to hear from you. Is there anything, side, total, prop, novelty bet that you're rocking with this week?
3: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Let me give you mine, and you guys break it down, right? Like, you tell me. All yeah, right, yeah, so-
0: yeah. We, 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 this is like... This is like uh, the guys on Wall Street bets critiquing people on uh, actually on Wall Street, but we'll do our best here. So let's let's hear what you got. I love it. All right. So first
3: one, Eagles first half team total over 12 and a half. We just mentioned earlier. Yeah. Eagles, 19 games, 16 of them they scored 14 plus points or more. Um, look, That's just how they are. Like, the you know, when you get to the Super Bowl, um, you know, you don't change. You know, it's kind of like, you know, who brought you to the dance yep. right now? You know, you look at Super Bowls historically, the first 6 minutes, generally not a lot of scoring, but then again, doesn't mean that that has to happen every time. Like the Eagles look to ch- to choke you out. So, yeah, that's my first one. Yeah, first half to total over 12 and a half.
0: Love it. No, I lo- I love that. I mean, it's, it's everything we've talked about this whole time is if they're going to get out to a lead, it's going to be in that first half because they've done it all year long.
3: Yep. All right. Next one. Yeah, Chiefs. what's up? Chiefs second half team total
1: over the
3: chiefs are you know and even if the chiefs like keep pace in the first half like they, we're not saying they're a slow scoring team either but they hit lulls in games like they get bored you know what i mean like they kind of look like kansas basketball at times they just get bored um <laughs> yeah. yeah right so yeah. i'm gonna roll them 12 and a half uh, over that and here's the thing you know when you getting you know uh Numbers and team totals. All right. So you look at, you know, how points are scored in the NFL, threes mm-hmm. and sevens. Right. So you think two touchdowns, 14 points. All right. Getting it under 13 as opposed to under 14 is so much more valuable yep. because now you can afford a missed extra point if it happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the Chiefs side, touchdown, two field goals. Now, the yep. Eagles don't kick a lot of field goals. They'll go for fourth downs constantly. But, you know, getting 14, then you need, you know, a touchdown and three field goal, like, you know, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So yeah, chiefs over 12 and a half.
0: No, I love that. And that's a great point about key numbers. I mean, you know, as well as we do, we talked about this a lot this year, the old school key numbers of three and seven just don't mean as much as they used to in the NFL. You know, the, the, the key numbers of, of 10, nine, like it's like any, any single digit number in there besides four and five are pretty important to different extents. And so getting it under that 13, not just under the 14, it's big. It's a good point.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. It, it's
0: definitely changed for sure. And with teams that could go for
3: two, like the, the, both these are so aggressive, you know, coach teams. So aggressive. All right, yep. my next one here. All right. So like I said, I like your over, right? Like, I'm yep. with you. I'm also playing both teams to score 20 plus points in the game. Okay. So now if if somebody's out there and they're saying, look, I, I don't know about the over, you know, I, I get it. We, I think we all do, right? Like, it, certainly. Now you could kind of play the over. You need, obviously, both teams to get to 20. But I, I think that they do. Like, it, even if you have a 23-21 game. I mean, a, I'll be shocked
0: if either of these teams gets held into the teens. Like, it's not yeah, happening in this yeah. game. Yeah, they,
3: they're, they're both just too good. Like, you're looking at, you know, the Eagles getting three touchdowns and the Chiefs getting two touchdowns, two field goals, right? Like, I mean, the, yep. like, I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's like, that's all you need, you know, to get this. And, and I think that they do. So, yeah.
0: No, I love that. And and it, it, to me, it's like, if both of these quarterbacks don't get hurt to the extent of the game, or there's not some massive piece. God, I hope
3: that, yeah. Like, not to interrupt you. Uh, no, I that don't. is absolutely a worry with mm-hmm. either of these quarterbacks. And if it happens, like it's gonna ruin the Super Bowl. Like,
0: I, oh, it's I just, oh, it's gonna suck. It's gonna be like the NFC Championship game. I mean, that was yes. that was ruined immediately. It 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 really bothers me if if both of these. I mean, I guess the better news is neither team is on their third stringer to begin with. So like, it won't be the end of the world because like the the Niners literally had nobody that could pass the ball. But yeah. the, you know, I, nobody's here for the Gardner Minshew Chad Henny show. So please, no. can we can we please get a full <laughs> game from both of these guys? That's yeah. what we're hoping for hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. You got any more?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. let's well, I'll, it. It. I, I'll give two more. I, two I, more. Could, I could go for six hours your, and your two, nobody your would two, two favorites.
0: That. You got left then let's yep, hear two it. Two
3: ones that I got left here. All right. So Jalen hurts longest rush over 13 and a half yards. Okay. Everything JT that you laid out. I think Jalen hurts is going to be a factor on the ground in this game. And you know, his rushing total, I believe is 49 and a half, 50 and a half, like somewhere around there. And I don't necessarily hate that either. But I like your approach with Jalen. And I would say for anybody that might play the over on Jalen's rushing, look, he's probably going to have to break off at least one 15 yarder. Mm-hmm. Just play that. You know what I mean? Like, that, I think that's the easier way to go than him doing it, you know, eight times, right? Or what you had with Jalen. I, I, I thought that was an excellent approach in regards to that. So.
0: Maybe I, this, this is perfect. And it's going to be kind of a whiplash for anybody that's been betting with us through the playoffs, because in the first two round, well, I guess the second, and the third round, when we got to see the Eagles play, we had been riding hard on Jalen under total rushing yards, just because yep. of the injury front. The and same. also we expected, yep. we expected him to, you know, it's, at least in that Giants game we didn't think it'd be much of a, a competition. And in that one in particular, we were like, we just don't think he's going to run. And then against the Niners, it was this defense is, is epic and he's still hurt. He says it himself. He's not near hundred percent, but I, I think the I think the script flips here. And I love both, both the bet JT laid out and the one that you have in the sense that he is healthier. He's had two weeks to rest. So he's as healthy as he's going to get this season. And this is going to be the most competitive game for sure that they've had in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that in my mind. The third point is is there's nothing to say. Like a big part of the handicap, the the first two times we bet him was this guy can't get hurt. Like they expect to win the Super Bowl, so they can't lose him or get him any more hurt running the ball early on. But this is when you leave it all out there. So I think it's a great bet to say this guy who's tore the entire league up all year long with his legs. He's not going to stop doing that in the last game of the year.
3: Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. All
0: All right. Last one. What do we got? Last one.
3: Okay. First punt. In the game, will it be a fair catch? No. All right. <laughs> okay. And yep. so we're going to get this a little one. while. Yeah, to we're gonna have a little while with this one. To have fun. It. let me explain why. Okay. So historically, the first six minutes of the Super Bowl, a drought in terms of scoring. Right. Yep. Like you might have one that scores. You generally don't get both. Like on their opening drives. You yep. Got nerves. You got all this going on. Whatever. That being said, I'm going to bank on that one of these two teams goes three and out, all right? Okay. Now, here's what you're essentially playing, all right? How far does the offense go that punts first? Because if they get to, like, the 50 or the 40, you get in danger zone here because mm-hmm. they can punt, you know, and, and, like, you just don't have a lot of space. I think what the first punt comes with a team that goes three and out, right? With and a ton you of space.
0: A ton, and you yep. have
3: two teams that – they bring kickoffs out and they run punts. Like they mm-hmm. absolutely do it both sides. And and on top of they, that,
0: this is the Super Bowl, man.
3: How about those nerves? hundred yeah. you know, percent Same thing with like the opening kickoff, right? Like it's the opening kickoff the Super Bowl. I don't care if it's 109, it's coming out. Like any yeah. whoever
0: is returning the punt, do you think they as a kid were laying in bed envisioning themselves fielding the the yeah. first kick of the playoffs or the Dad, first kick of the Super Bowl? Catch. And they're yeah. waving their hand. No way, man. You're running that thing out for sure. Yep. For sure. Yep. Absolutely. No, I love this bet. That's fantastic. And uh, of the ten thousand novelty bets you get with the Super Bowl, that one is awesome. I love that. I'm definitely gonna put some money on that one. So let me let me recap all our bets here because I think we got a a great slate. So our pick six for the show. We've got the over fifty one points. Jalen Hurts over ten and a half rush attempts. Dallas Goddard over four and a half receptions. Isaiah Pacheco over ten and a half rush attempts. Kadarius Tony under 15 and a half for his longest reception. MVS, over two and a half receptions. And then courtesy of AB, five bonus bets here. We got the Eagles and the Chiefs, both to go over 12 and a half points team total. For the Eagles, it's the first half. For the Chiefs, it's the second. Then we've got both teams, team total 20 plus points. Then Jalen Hurts, over 13 and a half yards for his longest rush. And finally, the first punt. Not gonna be a fair catch. A B, this has been fantastic. I say every single week that the best bet gauntlet is my favorite segment of the week, but I can I can definitively say this has been my favorite segment of the year because this is a ton of fun and you're the best. Appreciate you being here so much. Um, it's been a blast,
3: dude. Absolutely a blast, man. I sure do appreciate you guys having me back. And like it's just dude, fantastic to be with you. And I can't wait, dude, to watch these bets now, like during the game. You know what I mean? Like, no, me you can too. All, like, Yeah, we can all, like, play together, like, on Twitter and, you know, wherever. Like, it's going to be fun for sure.
0: I I can't wait. Guys, check him out. Alan Bell over at CBS Sports. He's everywhere. The Early Edge, Sportsline Picks, CBS Sports HQ, and the College Football Weekly Best Bets show, as well as on Twitter. A fantastic follow. Alan, we're going to have you back much sooner than later. You're fantastic. Thank you for your time. Hey, look forward to it, boys. Thank you so much. All right, real quick before you go. Special thank you to Alan Bell and Sam Phelan, our guests today. One of our best shows, I think, of the year. Great one to end the regular season on. Thank you all for listening. Real quick, before you go, we've got three shows again next week. We'll be back Monday morning, first thing, recapping everything that we saw over the weekend. The Super Bowl should be plenty to talk about, as well as any additional Titans news that we might get. And then we'll be back on Wednesday next week, I promise this time, with james foster over at no flags film and a to z film room he'll be back with us for our wednesday show talking about the draft on friday who knows what we're going to talk about we're talking draft for agency titans news something along those lines we back monday wednesday friday first thing in the morning next week until then i'm your host easton freeze for producer jt this has been the hot read podcast have a fantastic super bowl weekend we will talk to you on monday Whopper, 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 double, triple, junior whopper.
1: Eat like a king who's on a budget, three tasty options, fries, drink, and nuggets, all for five bucks. What that can't be right, just confirm that that's the real price at BK. Have it your way. You roll!